0: Have you ever wanted to be the first to know if aliens really exist? Well, with Nebula, you can be. Nebula is the streaming service that's home to It's Probably Not Aliens, as well as our YouTube channels. And the best part, all of our content goes up early on Nebula. So when we break first contact with ET, you'll be the first to find out. That's right, you'll be able to listen to the next episode of this show before anyone else. Plus, we post bonus content that you won't find any other place. And the best part, by signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probably not you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and be the first to know if this time it really is aliens.
1: start with this game i have a brand new game i love games new game it's game changer that's us Uh, can we (laughs) legally say that (laughs) i'm sure that i don't think sam would do anything sam reich come on this podcast and tell us that we can't do it (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's a dare so i received a text from a a good friend of mine and friend of the show rod kim who did our music for the show he uh is a good friend of mine and he saw the movie trans the newest transformers last night I'm so sorry.
2: The one with cars that turn into turn into animals. That's the the Beast Wars one, right? I think that's the big
1: thing. Do the cars turn into animals? I don't know how that works. I've
2: only ever seen the animals. What do the animals turn into? Do they turn into rocks? Into robots and and trees, but like wait, but they're gorilla robots. They're
0: doing they're doing Beast Wars. If you remember Beast Wars in the '90s, that was like the the sequel show to Transformers. That was like crappy early '90s 3D animation, and it was animals that turned into robots. Robots, but in like a, a post apocalyptic or pre human Earth. That had two moons. It was a very
1: confusing show.
2: Yeah, wow.
1: But Trace, you've hit on something that I hadn't even thought about because I do I genuinely don't know if the animals turn into cars. And that would be very (laughs) fun for me. That would actually make me want to see the movie more. So Rod went and saw the movie, and he texted me immediately at 3:15 a.m. He's on the West Coast. He's He's on the West Coast. So this was this was midnight for him. It was 3:15 a.m. for me. Because he had to tell me that this new Transformers movie does touch on the topic of ancient aliens. And I would love (gasps) for each of you to guess how Transformers, in a a broad sense, you don't have to do specifically, how do you think Michael Bay handled the idea of ancient aliens and Transformers? And whoever's closest, I'll give, there are no points. But I'll give you a <laughs> point. Why not? Hey, future editing Scott here for an immediate correction. Michael Bay did not direct this new Transformers movie, but it was at least produced in part by Michael Bay. Don't write in telling us I got this wrong. Michael Bay was involved, okay? Tristan, you want to go first? Sure. expert? How much do I want to bet that somebody's
0: going to uncover, like, Mayan hieroglyphics okay. that show, like almost like a King Pakal-esque calendar stone, but it's like mm. Optimus Prime in a like extremely culturally offensive way. Okay, oh, no. good
1: guess, good guess.
2: I was thinking of it more from a cinematography standpoint, like obviously mm. something's going to fall, like come down out of a foggy, cloudy sky, uh-huh. you know, that kind of a thing where it's just like, oh, it appears there's an alien. And then, mm-hmm. you know, kind of... Uh, similarly culturally insensitive instead of Native Americans or like indigenous people standing on a shore it's robots standing Mm. on a shore looking at the aliens or something like or animals rather standing on the shore looking at the aliens aliens, you know and they're just like look there's something in the sky and then the thing comes down the cloud and it's like there's an alien (laughs) oh and that's why we have sentience apropos today's episode actually Yeah.
1: so so (laughs) Both of you seem to have this the, this this guess that it's probably treated in a not very uh, culturally culturally sensitive way. Michael I Bay, am... the person who gave a robot balls, <laughs> um, is going to do something in a what? not exactly culturally
0: sensitive way. I am unaware
2: I of this. thing that Michael Bay, it's <laughs> <gets> done. <dead. laughs>
1: transformers
0: Transformers movie has has one uh robots balls Uh um and two um one of the robots just takes a big old piss on a guy um those are two things that happen in a movie made by an adult for Mm -hmm. seemingly other adults i don't know i don't know i don't even know if it's worse if it's for adults or kids all
2: right i I googled it i shouldn't have googled it i googled (laughs) it
0: Shouldn't have. It's
2: a wrecking ball transformer. Guess where the wrecking ball goes. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like grossed out. Mm -hmm. I'm grossed out. That's not great.
1: I am. I am shocked to reveal that apparently, according to, Rod, I've not seen the movie or the full context, but according to Rod, Michael Bay does does a good thing <gasps> where it seems like a human starts to credit all of things, like specifically the Nazca lines and the pyramids and all that stuff, trying to say that all that stuff was not what came from the Transformers and Optimus Prime like butts in and says, no, we had nothing to do with any of that and we wouldn't take credit for human ingenuity
0: oh can you believe wow
2: surprise face turn from michael bay
1: holy cow (laughs) that's great well done
2: yeah geez all right well congratulations to them i guess you did one thing right yeah he and still that's a robot game. balls though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: That's, that's, that one's going to sit for a while. I didn't want to know that.
2: Although <laughs> if they are wrecking balls and they're very heavy, it makes it, you know, a low center of mass. So that's good for you know, stability. Yeah. I think there's actually like, a line
0: in the movie where one of the humans is like on the, um the, you know, like the sort of walkie talkies that all protagonists have in action movies. So they can all mm-hmm. talk to each other somehow. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he's just like, I'm underneath the, I'm underneath the robots testicles. And he says, yeah. that like that's the
1: words said that in way, the yep. script. That's wow. the first movie. The f- they led with that
2: one. It was in the first the one. Only Transformers. Yeah. Because wow. after I saw
1: that one, I was like, you know what? I don't need to
0: see any more of these ever again.
2: <laughs> I feel like I did the same thing. I, I've i sort of like blocked it out. Like when, you know, you go see a movie and you're like, did I see that? Oh, I did. Mm-hmm. I remember I did
0: not want to see it, but I had a friend who, because it came out around the same time the Star Trek movie came out, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie. Mm. Yeah. And as like the worst Trekkie of all time, like, like, worse in like, it is sad how much i am a trekkie i was like all right i want you to see the star trek movie and he was like "Ah, right, it's star trek i don't want to see that i'm like all right i'll see your stupid transformers movie if you go see the star trek movie and mm-hmm. we agreed to this transaction and i don't think either of us were happy with
1: the results <laughs> oh, no But uh, this is a podcast i think oh yeah by the way yeah we're recording a podcast this is a <laughs> podcast called It's Probably Not Aliens where we uh, look into ancient astronaut theory and debunk ancient the TV show ancient aliens we just we look at it for goofs and gaffes and then hopefully by the end of the episode you learn about real world history of cool people places things, moments in time. Who knows? Uh, My name is Scott Nicewander. I am the co-host that knows nothing. Basically, I come into this show just equipped with what Michael Bay has recently done. And that's the only thing I've prepared. Provider of Michael Bay facts.
0: Yep. I'm Tristan Johnson. I'm the one who goes into the dark depths of research and comes out with a thing that makes your life slightly less happy for knowing that this is a thing people believe, but hopefully also have happy things that teach you about real history and stuff like that and i'm so excited i'm Mm -hmm. so excited scott because uh we've got trace dominguez a person i've been a fan of for i think like nigh on a decade i feel like you've been doing content for like i think like Cause I think you were like, you kind of came onto the scene with like the, the pivot to video movement in like 2013, which was 10 years ago now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, hi. Yeah. I've uh, been doing video for a long time. I've, uh, I started a YouTube channel in 2012 that people may have heard of called D news and that now is called seeker and it's owned by Vox. And I was doing video before that. And, uh, I'm a science communicator, I guess, but I didn't know what that was when I started doing it. It was just like, Hey, I like science and I can talk about it in front of a camera if I try real hard. And uh, I've been doing it ever since. Now yeah. you've got the YouTube channel Uno Dose of Trace. Correct. A double pun, which I can't, you know, I can't really, it's too exciting to, to not. <laughs> every, except for every time I go and tell somebody about it, they have, it like takes them a second. They're like, wait, what? Oh, ha! Mm. And it's like, yep, that's the feeling that I wanted you to have. <laughs>
0: Perfect. It's a great but, channel. Everyone should watch it.
2: I've also got a new podcast called That's Absurd Please Elaborate with my buddy Julian, who you'd also recognize from the D News Seeker team. Because now that that team no longer exists, I'm like, I'm 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 gonna take the people and make good stuff.
1: Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, and so, just to tack on to what Tristan was saying, like I, I definitely like D News back back in those days was a huge part of my like online YouTube. Like I would watch that daily. Uh, so also big Test fan Tube. over I here. I remember it was called Test Tube at one point. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: we had we had multiple channels. Test Tube was like the politics and news channel, which then became okay. You ready for this? So it started as Test Tube, which everybody was like, "Wait, shouldn't Test Tube be the science channel and D News be the news channel?" And we we're like, "Yeah, it probably shouldn't be," but we didn't do that and I didn't make any of these decisions. <laughs> and then Test Tube got renamed to Test Tube News. And then Test Tube News got renamed to Seeker Daily, which was a show that we'd already started and then canceled. But we used the name again because it made more sense like a newspaper. And then it was bought by Group Nine, so it became now this news or now this world. Now this world. And then it was bought by Vox and now I think it's independent again.
0: Woo yeah. woo good. Talk about like an organization that has had like you could write a book about the story of this oh, this, this little yeah. media.
2: I mean, the day that SourceFed became, or SourceFed Nerd, they tried to like rebrand with a whole new thing, like a whole new cast, and they lost like a quarter million subscribers in like three hours or something. And yeah, I was uh, in the office that day watching it happen. And I was just like, this is, and I tweeted about it and then got called into the office, to my boss's office. And he was like, you tweeted about this? And I'm like, I'll take it down. It's fine. People have seen (laughs) it who need to see it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. I have an, I have a question for, for the two of you. Do you believe it's possible that the human race, mm-hmm. uh, which we are all famously members of, yeah. as far as we know, some some emails we get uh, seem to disagree with this notion.
1: <laughs> that's true. You but, um, and me, yeah, we get emails yeah. that bring <laughs> into question our, our existence. Our humanity. Yep. Um, but do you think that we
0: are genetically engineered creatures?
3: Hmm. That's so That's the question,
0: question we're going to answer today. Like so, on
1: purpose or by accident? Cause like I've seen Prometheus and I think that one was sort of like, I couldn't remember if that one was on purpose or by accident.
0: Yeah. Are we Prometheus? That is the question. That is the question we're answering today. Okay, cool. Um, cool. Are we, uh, so, so basically um, the, uh, ancient aliens has gone into this us uh, in several episodes. And so I've collected all of the clips I can, and, and it's a common thing in sci-fi and in certain UFO based cults that the theory that aliens at some point intervened in human evolution or mm-hmm. genetically engineered the human race altogether. So I'll, I'll go into a little bit because I have I have verbatim quotes that show what level of high high debate reasoning we're using here. So I would love you to read some. <laughs> Charles Darwin. The result of his studies formed the basis for his controversial book, The Origin of Species. In it, Darwin proposed his theory of evolution, which held that all life evolved over time through a process of natural selection. But even Darwin's theories could not explain the developmental gap between apes and man. Mm. There was if it was believed a transitional species that had to exist, one which became referred to as the missing link. Oh wait, I have
1: yeah. sound effects. Hold on. Wait think, a minute. I have sound effects somewhere. Oh yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs>
0: Homo sapiens have been around for 300,000 years, and only in a few thousand years, our brain size essentially tripled. Citation needed. Now that does not jive with our ordinary evolution, you need time, a very long time. However, today, biologists cannot quite put a finger on how our brain volume tripled in such a short period of time. It's a mystery. Could Mm. it be? As many ancient astronaut theorists believe that ancient aliens had a hand in jumpstarting human evolution on our planet. Science has been unable to find the missing link, and maybe that's simply because... Because Earth is unable to offer that missing link. Maybe the Mm. missing link is not of this Earth. Maybe the missing link is somewhere outside (sighs) extraterrestrial. Now, um, building on that, they cite a person, they cite a scientist. And if you are a person who follows science and this name comes up, immediately, the red flag should start going on because this guy is a Nobel Prize winner who is mostly known for stealing somebody else's work and then claiming credit for it and then winning a Nobel Prize for it and then saying a bunch of stuff about supporting eugenics. Uh, So Francis Crick, um, after discovering the structure of DNA in 1953, he did not discover it. (laughs) It No. Somebody else did. (laughs) um, Oh, good. That seems good. She just did not get credit for it for Mm -hmm. reasons beyond our our knowledge. Um, Stated that human DNA was too complex to have evolved over a 4.5 billion year history on Earth. Crick proposed the theory of directed panspermia, Mm. suggesting that DNA may have been seeded on Earth from another star system, and that uh, this involves an intelligent entity seeding Earth with genes that made humans. Hmm. Yeah, we've talked
1: about panspermia before. For a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, it's not, it's one of those things that's, like, it would not,
0: it's not outside of, like, scientific reasonability to think that something like that could have happened. It's just that, like, you—you you, there's no experiment to, there's no evidence to point towards it, and there's nothing that really makes a good case for it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But it's, like, one of those things that really fossil evidence, or fo- not even fossil, like, you're dealing with, like, really early Earth stuff is f- very spotty and hard to get real stuff. From. right
2: yeah. yeah i mean if an a- if an asteroid hit the planet after life already existed then we would see that in our genetic code right like it would it would not only would it be unlikely that a random asteroid would fall to earth and be mm-hmm. compatible with life as it exists mm-hmm. so if it didn't exist then it would also be unlikely that it would be exactly the same kind of chemical makeup that it would be able to survive here. It, like it just uh, doesn't, it, yeah. it, it's crazy.
0: Now this is the same show that also tries to make the claim that humans and aliens can interbreed successfully. So we're not exactly dealing with the most scientific right. rigor. <laughs> they also, wow.
1: they, they also flip flop between, cause there are some episodes, there are some theories where they're like, actually a, what aliens are, are people are actual, they're humans from the future who time traveled back in time. And they look so different that they look like aliens. Millions. And so there aren't, they actually aren't from different planets or universe or like, you know, galaxies or anything. They're just more humans. So they get sort of mixed up on like whether, on what aliens are, I guess, sometimes. So there's just a lot of theories floating about on mm-hmm. this show.
0: Oh, there are, there's a few more uh, terms I get to use that are the are words I put on a box of things that give biologists, uh, make biologists start reaching for the Advil. Um, the mm-hmm. next one is um, they say that, well, the evidence for our genetic engineering could be in our junk DNA. um, I've
2: I've embarrassingly used that term before and and I got eviscerated for it and was like, oh, okay. Quick
0: quick filling in is like a lot of our DNA is made up is what's called non-coding DNA, which doesn't necessarily do anything actively. And a lot of it is like old retroviruses or uh, remnants of mutations from ages ago that didn't exactly hurt us, but didn't exactly help us. So it just sort of stayed. And sometimes it does become useful and it does have like... as we kind of understand epigenetics more, it does come into play in ways that we don't quite appreciate because biology is obnoxiously complicated and we don't understand yeah. We're just at the tipping point of what uh, we actually know for things
1: to do and, but uh, okay just, and trace just to just to go back to that you being like made fun of for for using that phrase I'll do you one better one of my earliest and mo- still today most popular YouTube videos uh, was about the, the science of Thor's hammer and mm. I said in the video that there's a there's a moment where a character pushes Thor's hammer out of the way and they're flying through space or something like that and it's like well how's that possible only thor can like lift the hammer and i said well it's probably possible because there's no gravity in space is what i said <laughs> <laughs> and if you can and if you can believe that uh the comment section tore me apart
2: <laughs> oh for, I can b- for I, saying that <laughs> i can believe that i can believe that so yeah. we've all yeah. been there
0: <laughs> okay. Um. I, there's one. There's one higher level. This gets to. We get to an extra plane of existence, and here's mm-hmm. where we go. And this is another one where every biologist hang on to your seats. So it's possible that at one point, actually, this this is a true fact that at one point there were possibly eight human species on Earth at a point okay. about uh, hey. several like a few hundred thousand years ago. Um. This is the thing. We're gonna we're gonna talk this video. This episode is predominantly about a world in which we were like the closest to like Middle Earth that we ever lived, where there were multiple species of humans oh. with like different physical and mental characteristics around the planet and it's All wild right. that, that that was just part of the world for a while but um here's this here's the thing in 2010 doctors at the texas heart institute discovered a man who had a three-chambered heart similar to that oh. of a reptile <gasps> this condition was attributed to atavism an evolutionary phenomenon where traits of distinct ancestors or distant ancestors re-emerge in modern organisms this is a common thing the fact that we have hiccups yes.
1: is an atavistic trait from when we used to be lungfish yeah i've i made a video about this um, many years ago and I was talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles of all things (laughs) (laughs) where... Uh, Bebop and Rocksteady were like humans that were turned into animals, and I was like, well, maybe they had you know atavistic you know traits from something. You know, I was just trying to connect it. I, it wasn't like a real thing, but I was just like, you know, there. It's just a really interesting idea to to talk about this. Yeah, th- like this idea that you have traits from previous like evolutionary states or something like that is is really interesting. Yeah, and
0: here's where it gets extra sensitive to to certain things. Uh, so then they they're, they they basically are trying to build a case that humans were. just genetically engineered with alien DNA, specifically of the Anunnaki reptilian variety. Oh, we're the What? Oh, have you not delved into the world of internet crankery to know what a reptilian is?
2: <laughs> I mean, I know I've seen comments on the YouTubes about yeah. being a reptile person. Yeah. I just assumed it was like that guy from, from Batman. Yeah. <laughs>
0: There's a a well-known, there's a conspiracy movement that tries to say that the world is being secretly manipulated by reptile aliens from the planet Nibiru who Mm -hmm. uh, can shapeshift. And it's a very long-winded way to say Jews without saying Jews, essentially. Oh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay. Um, Yeah, yeah, we get into that territory a lot with the show. Welcome Welcome to, it's probably not aliens. Um, So another genetic (laughs) condition that could suggest that we were genetically engineered by reptilians is a Mm -hmm. disease that gives uh, you dry, scaly skin called ichthyosis.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, or
0: a thing, a disease that uh, fuses your fingers and gives you claw-like hands, just called uh, syndactyly and ectodactyly I will say, mm. um just just to just to kind of build on this, ichthyosis is a horrific disease that um, actually, typically, people born with it don't live more than a few days because uh, it's your skin basically is just incapable of healing itself very well, and it just cracks and falls apart. It is it, it, the people people born with it have a very short and extremely painful life it is a horrific thing um and the fact that they're just sort kind of like launching on that like i feel like only a handful of people have ever survived um like the first few days of life with this disease and it's terrible and the other one is, is like a common type of of genetic anomaly that happens in species across the yeah. spectrum of like fused fingers and stuff like that it's like like mm-hmm. we, have, we have cats have extra fingers are they aliens
1: yeah maybe you gotta maybe, ask Hemingway. That's you know we 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 have this sort of running theory on the show that what is it animals with double e's have are are aliens because we've was it geese are aliens <laughs> what was the other one sheep mm-hmm. are aliens sheep and someone geese, asked yes. if bees are aliens cats so far are in the clear I think so far so it's far any double
2: letter or it has to be a double e
1: so far it's been double e but I could be swayed any either way but I'm right just saying because
2: kitten has two letters you know two mm. t's in it and t has an e sound e in it i'm just saying you know i'm it. just saying like it's like uh this alphology like good. numerology but for letters you know this is good we
0: kind of expand the definition because geese is also goose which means double o's are applicable and that is young. true
1: it's no not a single goose is an alien but all <laughs> geese are aliens <laughs> so there you go
0: Um, It's complicated. You understand. So what this is, is a common trope, which is a term called uplifting. It Mm -hmm. is not a trope of science. It's a trope of science fiction uh, of basically aliens showing up uh, at a place and using genetic engineering to increase the intelligence of an animal to be sentient or sapient. You might know them from such works as H.G. Wells' The Island of Dr. Moreau, which uh, was the Mm -hmm, first novel mm -hmm. with the concept that depict surgical Mm. and psychological transformations of animals into human-like creatures. Uh, Most famous would probably be David Brin's Uplift series, which um, features an Earth where a lot of different animals start getting uplifted. Mm. But you might also know them from Planet of the Apes. Sure. The the, the attempt to make a grim, dark reboot of Planet of the Apes in the last few decades, that turned out surprisingly all right. 2001 A Space Odyssey is essentially this. Mm Mm-hmm. And another one called Children of Time that I don't know the answer to, but also games like Mass Effect and Spore Mass and Solaris have all incorporated uh, Uplift. It's a Wait, very big sci-fi I'm a huge Mass joke.
1: Effect fan. Remind me how, the, how that played into Mass Effect, because I don't remember now. Uh, the Drell were uplifted
0: by the Hanar to save them from the desertification of their home planet. The Ector and the Vorcha were uplifted by the Asari. Okay. The Krogan were uplifted by the Solarians to use for soldiers against the Yeah, I can t- you're not, a. you don't, you don't play Mass Effect, do you, Tricer? Or- haven't played mass effect i I got to mass effect 2 and i got to a fight that i couldn't win without without paying attention or doing i didn't want to do any of the abilities or do any of the squad leading stuff i just wanted to shoot stuff and it disappeared and i got one encounter that was too hard and i just stopped playing it
1: forever (laughs) fair enough no, that i i only asked because like the way like it's just one of those minor things but I was like Tristan is so close to pronouncing these aliens correctly he's like a sil- he's like a little bit <laughs> off
2: <laughs> oh no but no
1: that that helps thank you
2: I don't well, know if you've seen the new guardians of the galaxy but this uplifting comes into play there yes. as well i mean rocket yeah. is
0: basically an uplifted raccoon
2: yeah that's yeah. right it's like be the most co- like a broad base example maybe because I read the island of dr Moreau when I was a kid but I don't know how many people read that book anymore. I, I played
0: in a uh, I played in a fake course uh, science, like a sort of space opera campaign where my character was an uplifted panda who had no combat abilities, but lots of money. Um, I mean, crime yeah. <laughs>
2: that sounds fun. It's like, I mean, that's I would watch that movie. Who needs yeah. Kung Fu Panda? Give me, yeah. <laughs> give <laughs> me gangster power, panda. Give me power broker panda. Like, I'm into that. <laughs> it's great.
0: It's great. Um, okay. The other term that came up is the missing link, which is a a, a very head, headache inducing term for a lot of people who do science communication. Yeah. It was this idea. It basically comes from, and we'll get into this later. It comes from when evolution was trying to make the case for itself uh, against the consensus, which was essentially young earth creationism at the time. And the missing link was like, well, what is this bridge between apes and humans? If humans are uh, derived from apes, mm-hmm. which is it's one a a mischaracterization because we're more cousins of apes than delineated from apes. Sure. Uh, and, uh, there's a really great sequence from Futurama actually that basically explains why the the missing link makes no sense. I don't know if you guys, you might've seen this gag. It was pretty big when it came out a while back. Yeah. It was basically like, look, there's like humans and, and apes and they're like, okay, well what's the missing link between like, like, look, you can't find any fossils between these two. And yeah, it's this one Australopithecus. Well, what's the link between Australopithecus and, and humans? Oh, it's this Mm -hmm. one. And then like it like what's the link go between forward that like six hours and there's like this huge line of fossils and they're like now what's the link between this one and this one
1: It's like <laughs> well this was yeah, yeah this was the part this was a guy named dave dave came between these two like at, at a certain mm-hmm. point it's just like yeah it's yeah
0: it's wild it's fallen out of favor because um anthropo uh, with people because it implies linear evolution which is also not the case the other part we're going to talk about human evolution today and human evolution is one of the most messy things i've
2: ever seen yeah it's a lot we
0: are we are we are a messy 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 species uh and the idea that like linear evolution is a thing like like we go back and forth and traits appear and disappear kind of going into that non-coding dna until it decides to come back later and one thing i learned uh doing this is that species is sort of a tough concept to nail down because you can (laughs) sometimes breed with other species uh and and i mean we have mules for that reason but are you uh, telling me the alien human hybrids they can work? They have to be very highly related species. All right. And oftentimes it causes issues like um uh, like every time like a you a mule is a is a crossbreed between a donkey and a horse, but because of chromosomal mishmash, they um va- they basically can't uh they're sterile. Any mule gotcha. born is sterile. So I don't uh, know if don't, same
1: story, you can lion and tiger. Yeah. I don't know if if Mass Effect ever had hybrids, but they definitely had all the games did feature a point where you could have a romance options with aliens, but I don't think that ever- ever did anything past i don't think any children came of that i think they're cowards (laughs) (laughs) on the
0: the biological scale like human beings like human embryos can't even like we can't even interbreed with our closest non-human relatives today Mm. and i hate the fact that there has been scientific studies to prove that Mm. um but uh but like uh like our closest relatives bonobos and chimpanzees like are too distant from us to actually be able to successfully interbreed so Gotcha. And get your head out of the
2: gutter. They use test tubes. Mm -hmm. Are you telling me that the Klingon human hybrid B'Elanna Torres from the documentary Star Trek Voyager isn't a real person. That's I think wild. They,
0: I think like um they even imply in Enterprise and in some other places that the the way that they interbreed in Star Trek One comes from the fact that they are all actually descended from one species. But two, there's like a lot of like a lot of modern medicine involved.
2: Mm, got it. Because
0: uh, there's like an episode of Enterprise where T'Pol and Trip Tucker try to have a baby, but the baby doesn't li- like, like like dies in vitro because uh, they're too genetically distant. They're like, well, maybe someday science will be you know powerful enough. to to actually merge these two DNAs and actually have like a, a viable species and they're like implying oh it's gonna be Spock but you know
3: mm. uh, so
0: there's there's science involved I guess so they, they do science Fun. and then genes can happen Cool, um, yeah and, and the thing about so so basically the missing link thing is that there's this the, the scarcity of transitional fossils is just because if you know anything about fossils they're there we don't have a lot of them
1: yeah out of all the things that have lived and died we don't have most of those around yeah. anymore <laughs> to make a
0: fossil we basically have to have things that died in a way where their bodies did not decompose right away. So like either a very dry environment or they got buried very fast. And then that environment had to essentially not change significantly for Mm. the entire time that happened. So like you find a lot of places, like you find a lot of dinosaurs, for example, in like Mongolia's Gobi Desert, because it's been a desert for like millions of years.
1: Um. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like, yeah, fossils aren't even, because I think there could potentially be, at least for me, there. There's there's been like a, a misunderstanding, I guess, of like f- fossils, I guess so- sometimes like they're not the actual bones, though, right? It's just like rocks. No. It's like what yeah. rocks think bones look like, basically. It's like, yeah, that's a good yeah, way describe it. Yeah.
2: I like to think of it as like uh, the body world's exhibit, like the plastination, where like the body isn't actually there. You're not actually looking at cells. You're looking at the pla- like plastic mm-hmm. where the cells used to be. Fossils are similar, right? It's like rock where the cell used to be. Mm-hmm. And so like it turns into mineral, but it's not actually the bone. And- I I was just at the La Brea Tar Pits this weekend because I have a toddler and we need to do things.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds (laughs) awesome though, actually. It's uh, the weekend. What are we doing? We're going outside. Oh my (laughs) God. Yes.
0: I go to the park every weekend now because um, the option is, do we walk in circles and watch Bluey or do we go to the park?
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's only so many episodes of Bluey. It's
0: only 150 and I've burned through them them almost twice already.
2: (laughs) But the La Brea Tar Pits. For the people who don't know, maybe um, you maybe you've heard about it in pop culture. It's basically an asphalt. Uh, pond kind of uh, it's like a an oil field like a regular oil field that is nearish the surface and so like for even in, in indigenous times like when Native Americans would walk around in this area uh, of Los Angeles this what is now Los Angeles there is these like asphalt lakes near the surface and they have water on top of them so animals would wander in to get the water probably not great for them but even worse for them was that once you're in the tar it is literally like crude oil Oil, and they're stuck and so then we looked at all these giant chunks of what is essentially asphalt mm-hmm. that they've excavated from the ground here in LA and they're just like brushing through them and taking out chunks to get fossils but even the fossils are you know they're te- they're teeny tiny little eedy teeny eedy. bits mm-hmm. yeah
0: it's why the only like um like the only things that we've been able to do like why we can get like uh like for example uh, mammoth dna is because they're finding them from not fossils but like actual corpses of Uh, mammoths that died in frozen places that have been consistently frozen since they died.
2: Yes. Yeah, there was an example of that at the uh, Page Museum at the Tar Pits. Like it was a recreation of a mammoth that they found, but it was in like Siberia or something, a frozen tundra mm-hmm. where it hadn't been unfrozen since it, this poor little baby like fell in a tar pit or something. And then was mm-hmm. that, you know, it's yeah. just like they have all these things, but we don't know that much about it because there's not that many. Of
0: them. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that like the human, especially tropical species, uh, human remains or the sort of transitional fossils between humans and apes have not been found. It has to do with the fact that uh, fos- the fossil record is is woefully incomplete, and we've been able to do some very fascinating things. Paleontologists are—they were able to use like uh, scanning electron microscopes to study the structure of dinosaur fe- feathers to figure out what color they would have been. Like this is oh, some fascinating that's stuff cool. that's been able to be done with um, with fossils. But again, it's still a woefully incomplete uh, yeah. thing.
2: Don't we like build the whole fossil record? Even some some of those bits, and I'm I'm kind of extrapolating from what I remember. But don't we build whole parts of the fossil record from like, oh, well, we have a finger bone from that Mm -hmm. we think is from this species we have like part of a part of a spine Mm -hmm. uh, from this species here and then we just uh, we're pretty sure that that's a separate thing we're going to like you know break it down and obviously there's a lot of science and expertise that goes into it and debate and argument but Mm -hmm. like they're not working with oh we found an entire skeleton right look hey look and it says its name is ralph and this guy over here (laughs) his He's his name is is uh, you know is is Etienne. He's French, so there must yeah. be different. It's still like yeah. it's not like that.
0: <laughs> a fully a fully intact skeleton is like a unicorn of archeology or paleontology. Like I think that they they get really excited if something like that is ever found. So then like, yeah, it's like the thing is like missing links have been brought up over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the most famous one would be like Neanderthals were sometimes referred to as transition or as a, uh, as the missing link. They weren't Uh Java man, Piltdown man, which was the famous yeah. hoax from a few episodes ago. We talked about mm-hmm. Tong child, Heidelberg man, Homo habilis Lucy, the, uh, the first discovery Australopithecus. And yeah. I want to say either South Africa or the DRC. And so like, there's all these different things, but, uh, but that, the, 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 the it's not a it's not a thing it's it's, right. it's much more complicated than that and so i want to talk about the story about how humans happened oh okay mm. cool. The human origin story
1: how do we get here wow
0: yeah, tell me. So the humans first began when primates first broke off from other species about sixty-five million years ago, when basically there were these giant birds that basically made it hard for anybody, any other, you know, families of animals to really right. cut it out in the world.
1: Um, then they were we got always, hit by it. they were like flying hobbits to and from uh <laughs> Mordor. It's just they were yeah. It. yeah, it was There were giant
0: birds flying people to Mordor, there were giant birds uh eating people on toilets, there were giant birds yep. uh There's just an age where birds basically ran the planet. Um, Might know them as dinosaurs.
1: Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I see. Not the flying ones.
0: Some of them flew. Oh, well, some of them the dinosaurs flew, didn't flow. They were flying
1: no. reptiles or whatever. There you go. Um, get off me, paleontologists.
0: Um, <laughs> but uh, but then the gi- Then the age of the giant birds ended when uh, they couldn't handle a little Chicxulub crater or Chicxulub asteroid that basically wiped out ninety something percent of all life on Earth and turned mm. the average temperature of the planet into that of the inside of a pizza oven for a bit. Eek. So so we broke off when mammals finally got the evolutionary space to fill all of these niches that had previously belonged to dinosaurs. The oldest known primate like uh, mammal was Plesiaptus discovered in North America and arcacebus in China and um they early primates flourished in Eurasia and later migrated into Africa where they mm-hmm. they flourished into a bunch of different niches and became a whole bunch of different primate species yeah this led to a lot of diversification especially a lot of apes that started to become prominent in arboreal habitats which like at the time Africa was very was full of forest
1: and so a lot of these mm. uh, primates adapted to living in the forest Forests. Gotcha. Arboreal. I know what that. It's was. a good I word. Put my st- I put my stems together with that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that
0: word. <laughs> then the Earth went through a very strange new phase where it decided that it was going to go through periods of being very dry and very cold for long periods of time.
2: Oh, I thought it was going to be puberty.
1: Basically, <laughs> it started having feelings that I was confused about. It started... Started in the
0: Anth- the Anthropocene is going to be uh, our our awkward puberty phase, uh, as, like the planet mm-hmm. breaks out in humans everywhere, but. Basically, uh, Africa and the Mediterranean Mm -hmm. dried up really hard because the Earth's temperature started to plummet and tropical jungles and things like that. Not huge fans of of cold, dry temperatures. And Mm. so a lot of these regions moved from being jungly forests to being savanna grasslands. Okay. And this is around the time where hominoid, not hominid, hominoid type species come through. Now there was an adaptation and we see this in some species of apes today where they walk on two legs to move through branches. Um, you might see like gibbons doing stuff like this and, mm-hmm. and such. Okay, so that technique of being able to move through the trees started to become adapted for living in the savannas and the grasslands of this new African plain, which gave them view uh, good vision, gave them the use of their standing front up. hands, and eventually mm. we adapted to get better and better at standing more and more on our hind legs for long periods of time. And like yeah. the thing that basically diverges hominids from primates is the adaption to primarily walking on our, our back legs. And now look at us, all three of
1: us sitting down. <laughs> Got it. <laughs>
3: sitting. <down.
2: laughs> And it's like, ugh, God, now I have to walk on my back legs. This is so much work.
1: Oh, I have a standing uh, desk, and I'm not even using it right now. You're actually ugh. hitting on something pretty uh, pretty profound, because
0: this oh. evolution is relatively recent. And so the evolution of walking on our high legs is not exactly optimal. And so mm. like, it might be the reason why humans have so many back problems and hip problems is yeah. because like, we they are recent adaptations, and we haven't really like worked out the kinks. And so... While it was more better at adaptation and let mm-hmm. us produce more children, it wasn't exactly great for like living past thirty-five. And now everybody's you, got back pain.
1: Have you seen the person on on TikTok? This is this is old old news. But have you seen the person on TikTok who's been tra- training themselves to walk and run on all fours, like yes. efficiently? Yeah. It's, no, and like they're terrifyingly good at it. Like the the walking is like one thing, but like when they started learning how to run on all fours, it's scary. It's it's sc- scares me how, like, ferocious it looks. Wow. I don't remember if there was a point to them doing that other than... Just to see if they could, but like, Hmm. good good on them, I guess. Humans have done dumber things
0: for like have done dumber things for or or more extreme things for dumber uh, reasons. So, but yeah, so like, humans had this evolution to adapt to uh, open woodlands, shrublands, grasslands, and this happened in different habit. It would allowed us to move into different habitats, which we couldn't before, which was very useful for evolution. Being able to survive in different habitats, very good. Look at the crocodile; it can survive (laughs) in like a billion different places, and that's why. They've been around for 200 million years or something insane yeah. like that. And then we also got a lot of, you can see in the fossil record when we start to have more, uh, like when we start to go bipedal, we start to move into new habitats and you see like the changes in the pelvis and the spine and mm-hmm. all these things as we adapt. And also the front hands start adapting so that they no longer need to carry mm. our weight and we start using them for other things things. Also, humans look weird compared to primates because our limbs are way more elongated than others, and that is also part of this uh, this change. Human yeah. feet uh, evolved to no longer be prehensile, so we no longer needed to grab things with our feet, and we no longer needed to walk on our hands, and so they both specialized into their different roles.
2: But I can grab things with my feet, Christian. I can. As a person with a toddler,
0: I also agree, and you have to like get the bottle from underneath the table or something. When <laughs> yeah, just, like,
2: drop it on the floor. Right. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I practiced, and I. I can pick up a tennis ball if I really want to
1: mm-hmm. or at least
2: I could when I was, oh, when I was man. more dexterous my,
1: when mm. we were much younger my uh, one of my siblings uh, used to play uh, I think Galaga <gasps> with, a, with a joystick and everything with her feet. She, and she was good at it. And wow. I don't know, and I don't know why she started doing that, but it was just like a fun, fun challenge. And uh, it's, yeah, it's weird. That's it's weird cool. what People can do. She That's should cool. be the
0: person who's learning to like walk on all fours. I feel like they have a lot in common, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, but the thing is we don't actually have a solid theory about why bipedalism uh, was so advantageous. Uh, some some have, have uh, theorized that it's because we were able to see better some have theorized that it had us increase our speed uh, that mm. it allowed us to do more tool use or carry objects mm. or wade when swimming or uh, of course the all uh, the ongoing one sexual display mm. we, we were just hotter when we were standing on our hind legs yeah
2: our wrecking balls just out there for everybody to see <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and more energy conservation which is a pretty interesting one because if there is like the soup you know how like animals all have their special super one of ours besides the brain thing is that we have because of we sweat a lot too we can actually like oh we were able to hunt down animals that were a lot faster than us because we were just ridiculously persistent because we could just chase Mm. them forever until they got tired and so humans are like hustle really good at long distance running type thing Mm -hmm.
2: yeah Uh, isn't that kind of going back to what you were saying earlier about like you know crocodiles wasn't it that you said can be in a lot of different places like if we can be bipedal we can move through forests we can move through grasslands we can move through wetlands we can move through mountains we can like, it sort of allows us to do all of these different things that yeah. it's almost a specialization by being less specialized, you know, exactly. just exactly. Yeah. I don't know I yeah don't know. Uh, oh, and,
0: and then we get to to Homo sapiens which evolved from several other hominid species that lived about six million years ago. but the common ant but the, when we get to the point where we live in um, ancient middle Earth was about 550 to 750,000 years ago evolutionarily not that long period of time but the common ancestor of modern humans, Neanderthals and Denisovans lived sometime around there. So this is some very fast, uh, very interesting evolution. So that, that's the beginning of the Homo genus, which is Homo genus, the Homo genus that <laughs> is um, where we all sort of we are the only living only living descendants of it. So about two million years ago, the Homo genus started appearing. Anatomically modern humans appeared about three hundred thousand years ago. Okay, the yeah. oldest known Homo sapien fossils were found in Jebel Irhoud in Morocco. Uh, okay, and there's a lot of debate over different African hominid species, their classification in the Australopithecus genus, which sure. is another closely related genus to humans, and the potential existence of a separate genus called uh, Paranthropus. This is animal classification is messy chat that gets into it. We are a profoundly we are like humanity and the homo genus in specific is a profoundly messy bitch of a genus <laughs> yeah as you'll see the first documented relative of the genus homo to use stone tools was called homo habilis
3: all right yeah and yeah.
0: this and this uh then proceeded uh what they call in science rapid encephalization which is essentially us getting uh an increased cranial capacity and you start seeing that in species like homo erectus and homo ergaster Uh, which Mm -hmm. were the first to apparently have evidence of using fire and complex tools and the first to leave the African continent. So this is wild because like before humans, there was fire and tools, which if you think about it is kind of wild.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's always these talks of like who invented the wheel, who invented sliced bread, who invented fire, who invented tools, right? Mm -hmm. It's like eh, humans did some of those things, but not all of those things. Some of them were done by other species and we just like took it and ran with it.
1: And it's also interesting because we've talked on this show before about how like sometimes the invention of the wheel is like used as as a way to be like, were these distinct... Separate cultures. Like, were they smart enough? Were they, you know, were they able to create this this technology? And sometimes the answer is they just didn't need it, or they like came up with other other solutions, solutions. that were much that yeah. were much smarter. Um, that also, the wheel requires a lot of other
0: inventions in order to be useful. Like, if you have an in, if you like live in a mountainous region where like roads are like almost impossible yeah. to build, wheels
1: don't mean anything. <laughs> wheels mean nothing to you,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. that's why. Isn't- that's why you see, like, in uh, the ancient Inca invented the mecha suit, the Gundam before they invented wheels.
2: Um. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. It didn't like Neanderthals have art and like other, I mean, they, they believe that they had art and other kind of pursuits that they could have because they were smart enough to do it. But it's like, it's not like they, I don't know. Yeah. To to what you're talking about in in terms of wheels, it's like saying, oh, well they invented the wheel. So they must be special. And it's like, well, a lot of different things had a lot, a lot of different species had a lot of different bits Mm -hmm. of art. You know, the wheel without a road (laughs) is pretty silly. The wheel without an axle, the wheel without a wheelbarrow, the wheel Mm -hmm. without literally any, like, yeah. I feel like there's a far side comic about this where it's just a guy who's like I've invented the wheel and they're like okay right. what do we do with it you know, like it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah the wheel is the invention came after the need right
0: yeah, yeah. precisely and so there was this period where hominids or homo uh, the homogenus spread across uh, Eurasia and Africa and diversified into a bunch of different species that were not humans as they are today although now um, the better term and I think this is this is pretty useful to say is that they now call it the the human family, which is that mm. they were all humans. They just were not all the same species. And so this is where you had like Neanderthals, which evolved, uh which primarily lived in uh like the Mediterranean and around like Spain and France. This is why um you have my caveman esque figures, which come from thousands of years of French peasants.
2: <laughs> so it's sort of like the olive garden of history, you know. Yeah. Your family. So you're here, your family. You're a family. You're here, you're family. homo family. Your homo family. I like that. <laughs> happy pride yeah. everyone uh, and we've stu-
0: we, we keep discovering new members of the of the human family across uh eurasia including some of the more uh, and outside of eurasia we even have the most uh, recent discovery of homo i want to say florensis in uh the oceanic islands the sort of islands between uh asia and australia and they were they, they were nicknamed the hobbit people because they were like a human species that was like very small hmm, that's uh, cool mm. so i called it
2: uh, i called a guy at the smithsonian wants to do a video and he mentioned there was something like 20 or 25 known human species i just mm-hmm. looked up my notes because i was like this sounds familiar yeah they said uh its name was rick potts it's cool said oh yeah we're about to talk about rick potts <laughs> oh great <laughs> oh that's yeah, awesome he's, he's, he's very friendly uh he said yeah there have been 20 to 25 different species of early humans discovered so far and they can be grouped in kind of four different groups um, Paranthropus Ardipithecus Australopithecus And Homo yeah.
0: yeah That's us Oh that's great For another example Would be Neanderthals Neanderthals were They were more squat They had larger noses Than us mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of it A lot of the th- uh, Theorizing is that They were basically Adapted for living In colder climates Their bigger noses Allowed them to uh, Better breathe Cold air And mm. uh, Their small They're sort of More stocky stature Like if you see In a lot of like, um, I, like Cold areas That animals tend to Evolve a a smaller surface area so that they can retain heat better and and yeah so you see a lot of these different things happening all the time then humans happened Uh, so modern humans evolved from Homo erectus in Africa about sometime in the last 200,000 years Mm -hmm. Uh, and then uh, this is the current theory this is not 100% this is like kind of one of those situations that as a science communicator I'm sure you've run into many times Trace where it's like this is the current theory there are multiple theories but overwhelmingly this is the one that the people are most into Mm -hmm. and this one's called the out of Africa Theory, which is that humans orig- or anatomically Homo sapiens originated in Africa, uh, evolving in isolated regional groups that occasionally intermingled because the climate kept changing. Uh, as we mentioned, these these ice age periods were periods of like cold, dry, followed by warm and wet, like in like a sort of cycle, which meant that there was a lot of moving around involved. So that's why these humans moved all over the place. But genetically, anatomically, modern humans originated in Africa and then basically spread across the world, replacing the other. Humans that lived there. And yeah, the, my next point here the human genome originated in Africa with genetic influences from various regions across the continent, as suggested by Rick Potts, director of the Smithsonian's Human Origins <laughs> <laughs> Program.
2: Hey, oh boy. Look at that. It's like I knew he was coming. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's very nice. I liked him. I like talking to him a lot.
0: Oh, excellent.
2: Yeah. He was great.
0: And best evidence shows that we left Africa about 210,000 years ago, but that there were significant migrations about uh, leaving Africa between 50 and 60,000 years ago. And in that period, mm-hmm. we essentially outcompeted competed and replaced all of the other homo species, but not without having uh, some very fun times with them. And you can see that hey. in the fact that uh, in a significant <laughs> portion of our DNA, you can find genetic evidence that we have uh, heavily interbred with uh, Neanderthals and Denisovans, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can see that in the places where they live, because if you have, uh, if you are, if your ancestry comes primarily from, uh, Western Europe, specifically France and Spain, mm-hmm. uh, you actually can, uh, can, you could, there's a higher percentage of Neanderthal DNA in your backstory. And if you are from say East Asia, there's a higher percentage of Denisovan DNA. Mm.
2: Mm. That makes and sense.
0: And as we talked about how, um, these are this happened and it uh how when when species interbreed it does cause problems and there is now this is extremely speculative so this is not uh verified in any meaningful way but Mm -hmm. there are some things that link that like type 2 diabetes might have some prevalence in people with higher percentages of neanderthal dna and it might be a result of some genetic issues uh from that ancient interbreeding and that's uh, cool and, and uh, same with uh Denisovans with the different disease that I for some reason decided to not write down um, <laughs> as a smart person but uh, then yeah we've we also keep discovering new ones with unique traits like Homo floresiensis homo which is the uh, the hobbits mm-hmm. the main things that stuck us uh, make us different from apes is that uh bipedalism increased brain size lengthened limbs and decreased sexual dimorphism gotcha Ooh,
2: i i wrote down uh when i did my video on this similar topic uh the four F's. Uh, Is there swearing on this podcast? Yeah, there's plenty. Great. So it's fighting, food, filth, and fucking. Yep. Yeah. So we have modern Mm -hmm. humans competing for food. There's uh, filth, which would be like disease uh, Mm -hmm. that spreads between human groups that would cause, you know, increased evolutionary pressures. And then we, of course, got the fun one, uh, the fuck. Mm
3: -hmm. So
2: that one where you get a lot of mixing. And uh, I talked to Teresa. I can't remember her last name, but she uh, is at UC Davis. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she was also fantastic. And she said, there's obviously evidence of interbreeding where people, she said, quote, run up and love each other, hopefully in a friendly way.
3: (laughs) Uh (laughs) That's really good. (laughs)
0: maybe maybe homo sapiens maybe are like we don't actually know what our cutting edge is that edged everybody out but maybe it's the fact that we were just the horniest or the hottest
2: we could just Ooh, go yeah then, mm. <gasps> is that I like a theory? that theory is uh, that would be a great theory it's just the like sexy ape theory um. the sexy ape theory <laughs> i love it it's just like <laughs> modern humans show up they're all lanky they're like hey
1: hey what's up and hey.
2: neanderthals are just like yo look at you are out of Holy. his league you are way out of his league and they're like he's into me we're going we're going to move to mm-hmm. we're going to move to corsica it's going to be great <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh boy. Um yeah, it's oh uh, that would be that would be perfect. We just we just we just we basically just um we just outhornyed the other hominid species yeah. <laughs> until we were the only ones left.
2: <laughs> Honestly, I'm not not even a surprise. When I would yeah. believe that you presented at a conference, I'd be like, Yep, yep, <laughs> yep out. That makes sense. <laughs>
0: makes sense. Um but some of these traits have very interesting uh, evolutionary traces and stuff that is difficult to really uh, suss out. The mm-hmm. biggest one that is probably most defining, because we're currently using it to destroy the planet we live on, is encephalization, which is the increase of the size and complexity of our brain. Um, mm. It's one of this. It's one of the distinguishing features of humans. Probably one of the probably the thing that's going to end up make, causing our extinction. But uh, it allowed us to do a few things that also accelerated our evolution, which is uh, social learning, language acquisition, and cognitive abilities. Yes. Which um, one of the th- one of the articles that I didn't put in for time was this whole idea that one of the things that made us advance so fast is that we learned how to um, basically evolve by creating uh, idea idioms, where we basically created mm. ideas that evolved mm. in their own way through uh, artificial like changing and evol- like it evolved at a much faster rate, and that we were able to no longer have to relearn everything from scratch over and over again, and that allowed us to produce a whole lot of other things, uh, like and a that that should be like considered part of evolution or sort of memetic evolution as part, yeah. of, as part of it. And that is all with language, but that is complicated because as I learned that like there are apes like chimpanzees that have some of the things capable of doing language, but they can't. And we've tried very, very hard to teach chimpanzees to talk mm-hmm. and they just can't figure it out. Don't and don't really have um, anything to
1: say. <laughs> they're have just a the strong
0: name. silent type. They're like, yeah, they don't, they do not They can't speak. They just like, no, they just choose to listen. They're better listeners. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> you know what it is? It's, because all the researchers are showing up and they're like damn they look good you know
0: <laughs> it's a sexy gate theory. they're they're
2: just they're all Tongue-tied. just really yeah. introverted and they're just like wow wow <laughs>
1: <That's why laughs> all the all the chips cool. are just going like
0: this like yeah yeah they're just yeah, like cool, they want to hang cool. out with me oh my
1: oh, god so, i don't even have to do it's anything just, this is cool yeah. oh man
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the the origin of human culture and language is actually one of the more tricky parts to try and study uh, human research on animal behavior and human cognitive development only uh, gives us some limited insights because we don't really have other animals that are closely related to us that have developed language to this level of sophistication
3: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and trying to infer where speech came from studying the cranial remains of fossils is uh, defined as both challenging and inconclusive because it's hard to study brains with bones. Um, yeah, sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you. Or- or behaviors (laughs) like what those bones did. (laughs) It's tough. It's like size
0: is size. uh, Just like, just like with many things, size doesn't matter because like there are animals today that don't have the same level of intelligence as us that have brains several times the size of ours. Like elephants, very smart, not exactly at the human level, but their brains are like probably like eight, nine times bigger than ours. Yeah.
1: As we constantly discuss on this show, my head is small. Um, and so my brain must be, my giant human brain must be crammed in there. My big brain uh, must be just like crumpled up inside of there.
0: Well, that's the thing is apparently the more crumpled your brain is, is actually a higher sign of whether or not yep. you have intelligence
2: yep. than, uh, <laughs> than size. Yep, I know it. I know it. <laughs> that's me.
1: My tiny head squeezing that brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the, the
2: problem is we can't we can't fossilize thought. Right. Yeah. We thought fossils uh, don't uh, exist yet. Thought they fossils. <laughs> you can't mummify uh, speech you've hit on exactly
1: <laughs> the phrasing that, we, that we've that we brought up a lot on this That is, it's, it's sort of been like a, a running joke on the show which is at some point in the show Ancient Aliens someone says the phrase words are thought fossils and oh, it is no. like such the coo- like it is it, it's like it, for some reason it like to me goes really hard <laughs> in a way that it shouldn't <laughs> from Ancient Aliens words <laughs> are thought fossils I'm like fuck that goes hard that's awesome that's <laughs>
2: cool that is cool What a a good phrase. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So the way that we try to study development is by studying tool development and uh, art. And the thing is uh, that we've we've learned through studying animals as well, that like the part of intelligence that develops tools and how to use them is different from the part that intelligent that involves art and how to use it. We found hominids that developed art, but not tools, tools but not art and and varying degrees of each. And uh, so when humans, how humans got like a rich, symbolically mediated language and religions and social systems mm-hmm. uh we don't exactly know how or why or what factors drove it uh because evolutionarily it is a massive investment it takes yep. up two percent of our body weight but uses twenty percent of our body's energy and is probably the defining aspect of us as a species big so, that but the, the 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 beginning of culture as far as we can tell happened about 50,000 years ago when we started to transition to cultural and behavioral advancements yeah. and even today there is an ongoing factor of evolution influenced by natural selection by genetic drift and by cultural factors such as agriculture and lifestyle changes mm-hmm. and this is so it's still an ongoing process to this day
2: we're still evolving mm-hmm. And every now and then, if you listen to Jean-Luc Picard, evolution leaps forward. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. And we end up with X-Men.
1: One big leap. What a good... I was rewatched because I made a video about the X-Men movies recently. And I just... I watched that very first like opening monologue from so the first good. X-Men. So <laughs> good. Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. Supergirl movies knew what they were doing before they became all what movies are. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: They were like, I got to hook them. I got to hook them real good. Let's write a great monologue. <laughs> at Let's the make beginning. a good movie. Let's and not like just
1: one produce one another factory mo- <laughs> line CGI mess. <laughs> and have like one of the best actors, like uh, of our time, deliver that like sci-fi <laughs> yeah. monologue. And it's so good. Uh, yes.
0: Patrick Stewart, just like Jack Black, it, Patrick Stewart's just like Jack Black in the sense that there's never been a time where they don't earn their paychecks. Yeah. hundred percent. they True. Be doing the most ridiculous thing and they will, they will go so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah the only thing that is is motivating me to try and check out that Mario movie and sometime apparently Jack
2: Black goes so
0: hard in that movie
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah I've heard the same he's did a great job
0: and how do we know all this stuff well the main things we use is genetic we use our dna um, all right we have found that there's a high degree of similarity between us and chimpanzees cool. so if we were genetically engineered by aliens the chimpanzees might play a role because it's like 90 something percent similar uh we've used something called a molecular clock which is a technique where you use mutation rate of biomolecules to deduce the time in prehistory when two life forms diverged such a cool mm, idea that's cool. neat And there is a strange alien that also helps us out, which is uh, a little alien that lives in all of our cells and makes ATP for us, which is something called our mitochondria. Yay, Um,
2: the powerhouse of the
0: cell. That's right. And we don't know exactly where they came from, but it's highly thought that they aren't like they are uh, another organism that early cells just ate one day and then it just lived and it was a symbiotic relationship. And now they're just here. And it leads to an interesting quirk, which is that mitochondria has its own DNA and it only passes down to us from our mother. And Mm -hmm. this is sort of how we can tell about like um, the migration out of Africa for all humans because uh, mitochondrial Eve, Mm -hmm. as we've like kind of studied, because like there was one mother who was related to every living human on earth and she existed about 200,000 years ago, which would time to the time when we left the continent and moved across the world.
3: Mm -hmm. That's so
0: cool. Yeah. Uh, And fossils. We have a lot of fossils. There's a limited amount of fossils, but it shows that uh, we have a pretty detailed hominid lineage. Turns out there's a lot of interest in studying this. So. So, uh, all across the, uh, central Africa, central and central South Africa, there's tons of paleontological research and digging done to, to, to figure it out. And we see, despite what ancient aliens has said earlier, we see the evolution of encephalization, the increasing brain capacity. We see mm-hmm. the, the development of tool use. We see lang- like we see like in writing, uh, like we see all these like processes start to show that yeah. do not require any genetic engineering to do so. And uh it's just there and mm-hmm. um and like, 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 we can we can see it and the thing is that like that this is, in many ways they're just doing creationism like intelligent design it's irreducible complexity all over again in in many ways
3: mm-hmm. the
0: thing is also we've done genetic engineering and we know that there are telltale signs when an animal is transgenic there's like mm. there are things that intelligent intelligent genetic engineering does that evolution doesn't And you can always like evolved systems have a sort of uh, a style because there's no editor to make things clean or, or easy. And so Mm. evolutionary processes or are natural processes are overly complicated and, and very weird because it's just, there was no guiding principle behind it. And there's no sign that there's anything that shows real efficiency in how we do anything. Right. Um, We're a big, we're a big old mess. And I feel like if, if our uh, intelligence had been genetically engineered by humans, we wouldn't have a brain breaks in so many interesting ways or um, <laughs> right, a brain that, uh, you know, you can just cut out half of if you're like a child and can
1: survive or. Yeah. We yeah. Have a, I mean,
2: yeah, I th- I think of it as like Photoshop. Yes, if it's if you think of Photoshop, even really really good Photoshop, sometimes you can tell. Or like CGI, you know. It, once you get used to seeing it, you can tell exactly where the CGI is, or you can tell what part of a of a beautiful sunset where they're like, oh, I painted out like a giant building that used to be there. Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of tell. Um, so it's silly to me when people are like, oh, well, maybe we were genetically engineered in these ways, and there's no way way anybody can prove it prove me wrong and it's like Mm -hmm. no they can because they look at it every day (laughs) similar to like (laughs) asking a c asking like one of these many youtube videos that's like look at the cgi in here you can see how it works and this is how it Mm -hmm. is like they're experts in this they literally look at genetics all day yeah Uh,
0: i I would probably say that and maybe the fruit fly is actually the winner here but i would probably put up there that the human the human genetic code is probably up there with the most studied genome on earth i feel mm, like humans have a distinct interest in that dna for scientific and medical purposes. I'm going to mm. learn later that like actually the fruit fly DNA is the most studied or something. But
2: fruit flies and roundworms are both, uh, yeah, nematodes, both pretty pretty well studied. Drosophilia. So-
0: so we would probably like if we if there were signs of actual genetic tampering of things that look like they were artificial insertions, mm-hmm. they would they would appear distinct because evolution is evolution's a messy bitch and it it, it does whatever it wants for our DNA and it and yeah we are we're suffering for it in some ways because like as I said, uh, evolving bipedalism wasn't perfect and our spines and legs and knees uh, sort of pay the price when we get into our thirties. Can um, I
1: give a weird example that's been coming to my mind as you've been talking about? This that's not related sure. to animals, but is about is about we all do video stuff, and you were mentioning Photoshop. One of my favorite things that Adobe does is it, because a lot of their programs have been going on, have been like being added onto and tweaked and stuff for decades. They rarely ever get rid of anything, and so when they want to improve something, like many years ago, they made a brand new way to use text in in Adobe Premiere, and uh, it was a brand new system. But they had an old system. That you could still use, but they didn't know how to get rid of it without breaking everything. So they just like <laughs> they they just wrote in parentheses "obsolete" next to it and yep. stapled on the new system. And it's like even they are you know are 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 doing this sort of thing where they're just like all right here's a here's a new thing we want you to use and here's this other you know like they're like these. Like you're saying these like sort of telltale signs of like, it's definitely been tweaked in a way that, uh, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I just found that interesting. Yeah. Cause you can see it. Yeah. You can see in our DNA,
0: like the entire genetic code of retroviruses that have just been absorbed into our genetic code and just have sat there for millions of years and not Mm -hmm. done anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Retroviruses are viruses that, um, actually join into our DNA. Mm -hmm. Um, why like hiv is so hard to uh, attack because it's a retrovirus but like sometimes they just join and then they just get added to the hue to the to the to the code they just yeah. they join right. they join the chromosomes and mm. uh, or or things like the fact that um we are very close to having some severe and that very close evolutionarily close to having a severe issue with um with male dna because the y chromosomes disappearing and that's going to that can have mm. um that can that, that might cause some some problems detrimental you
2: know. effects if climate change doesn't greetings. get us in a
0: few million years in the future, it might be a problem.
2: <laughs> yeah. Hopefully by then we'll have figured it out.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Uh, and there's <laughs> other stuff too, like how evolution doesn't necessarily choose for beneficial things. Uh, one yeah. of the cases yes. that they tried to make for alien DNA uh, was uh, the was RH negative blood types, which apparently is very big in the Basque region, which I guess Basques are aliens. Um, <laughs> sure. Which you could break. They have a very unique language and all sorts of stuff. This is probably why they have the RH negative because they're probably very genetically isolated. But um the thing is is that if you are a uh if you are Rh negative in your blood type and you are pregnant with an RH positive baby, uh your body will attack that and yeah. will often kill that baby. Uh, mm. there's there's a there's a medical intervention today, but like in the past, uh if like two people were to get married, they had to do a test to make sure that it would work, especially in like these sort of Western European regions.
2: Yeah, we mm. had to do it. We had to do it because I have Spanish ancestors so they were like oh. oh we should and she and my wife's Brazilian so she has like mm. Iberian ancestry as well so they're like hey we should probably do this check just it's probably gonna be fine don't worry about it yeah
0: oh, interesting. I, I, I've, if you've ever donated blood and you ever see on your card if you're like RH negative or RH positive RH negative blood is very rare so uh, mm. there is that but uh, the thing is in the past a lot of times their baby would just die if they were uh, if they were RH positive so what would happen is that if you were like if you want to pull out your little Punnett square uh, if you were were a rh negative person and you were breeding with an rh positive person and <laughs> even if your
1: kids <laughs> trace is visually and, smelling it out yeah, in the air this yeah is good and okay. even if
0: and, and if your kid's die if they're rh positive then you still have about a like 50 percent chance of having either a or actually a decent chance of having either a double negative rh negative mm-hmm. or a heterozygous mm-hmm. rh positive in which case the kids would live and if you can see it's almost as if it like even though it's it's uh detrimental because it kills ba- uh if you are rh negative you kill a good percentage of the babies you have you're still causing selection pressure towards more rh negative <laughs> genes because mm. um basically uh they just it just kill it just kills these babies hmm. and that's that's a, like that is a thing It's like it's not a beneficial evolution uh, mutation but it is a mutation yeah. that just exists and mm-hmm. ancient aliens brought this out because I didn't mention this at the beginning but they use this as an example of like well why would RH negative DNA exist if it was detrimental and it's like because we can't stop fucking is the thing we
2: we, we lose babies <laughs> and they just have more theory. sexy sexy this is, you know what you guys we need to get a paper going this is gonna be it (laughs) 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 I got to get this. This oh, feels man. right
1: to me. Yeah,
2: I was thinking uh, like uh, sickle cell anemia, which yeah, that's is a really a good ge- one. Yeah. a genetic trait that is passed down that is very detrimental, but not so detrimental that it kills necessarily. But it does affect quality of life. But it doesn't mm-hmm. kill you before you could potentially breed. If you're you know uh, an ancient person who breeds as early as possible, like you can live to fifteen years old, and you've passed on your genes, and you're you're now you your yeah. sickle cell anemia might hurt you, but it's it's like it, it, these kind of mutations exist everywhere in human society across the world, but it's like, yeah. if we had mm-hmm. engineered people, why would we give their red blood cells, you know, pointy boomerang shapes? Right. You know, it, yeah. Like it wouldn't make well, any sense.
0: Well, there, guys, because the thing about sickle cell anemia, and that's why it's so prevalent in African populations and and like sickle cell anemia is an issue with a lot of uh, black Americans is because, mm-hmm. uh. While it did cause health issues, it actually made their red blood cells more resistant to malaria. Yes, and and a lot of the actually, I'm just right now reading a book on this topic because uh, the people who were taken from Africa to become slaves in America were taken from the regions that had the most malaria because they were dealing with malaria in the American South and in like the Caribbean, and Hmm. they needed people who were actually more resistant to work there. And because of that, like malarial resistance, they were like you you could see like in like. uh, in like parts like the Chesapeake region like in the summers the, the the sort of the white population would like plummet and then like in the uh, winters because of the horrible conditions that black people were kept under uh, they would mm. like die of exposure and so like there'd be like these like kind of like weird population dips and stuff like that and it has to do with malaria uh,
2: oh wow that's so, awful yeah but, is. yeah the anemia one with uh, malarial resistance is fascinating really fascinating yeah.
1: also I'm bald I think that's a genetic thing um and I <laughs> It's <laughs> a hormone thing. It's testosterone. Is it testosterone? I was always yeah, told de- it was hum- a, g- a genetic thing. I mean, may, I it, guess it, it always with the hormones and such. It has but. genetic
0: links, but the thing about males is that um, we are we have the way that our hormones work is that we are designed to be very big and very powerful. But then, like as yeah. soon as we hit, yeah, I like, mean, like, a certain no more. Peak age, I mean, our bodies to start me. falling apart. Yeah, um, <laughs> very big, very that's powerful. Why, <laughs> that's me. Like human, like male, like uh, like what's it called? Like X Y chromosome bodies like start falling apart after a certain age just because um no not me <clears throat> we <burn>. that's <laughs> not why me, we die on average so much earlier and such yeah it's, it's a whole thing we're it's not needed we're, nah.
2: ex- we're extraneous
0: but trace you know it's not extraneous your new podcast
2: can you tell us about it hey nice uh, nice transition yeah new podcast it's called that's absurd please elaborate i mentioned it at the top of the show Basically, my friend Julian and I got together, and we have created so many things over the years. Uh, and we've we, we've made all these videos, and we've done all this stuff. But it's like there are still these nagging, silly questions that we had, uh, and we thought let's do real sciencey research on some of these questions. So, like some of some of them are very silly, like uh, what is the pointiest thing uh, we did in oh. an episode once, which was really cool. Um, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's very neat uh, and require. And we talked about like how it's made and what it is. It's tungsten oh, that's cool. needle. Uh, it's very, very small. It's very cool. Um, and so that one is like, you could Google it and find it. So we explain not only what it is, you know, we don't just answer it. We go a little further beyond that. We talk about what it is, but why it's made, how it's made. But we also ask ones that like have no real answer. Like if humans disappeared, you know, what what species would take over next? Uh, so mm. I looked up a bunch of different authors who'd written about it. And the answer might be no, no species, but it was like really neat to look at the different ones that people thought might, you know, step up and have some of the things that we have in terms of just planetary dominance. And so, it was just, it's a really fun science podcast in that it's not scholarly research necessarily, but we're taking our science communication skills and trying to answer silly questions. And we've gotten, uh, we've done nine episodes so far, so it's fairly new, but we're already getting audience questions. Um, And so, we've got got an audience question from a five-year-old, how long would it take to build a Lego replica? of the sun uh and so that was a really oh. fun question to figure out uh was a lot more math than i normally would do in an episode but it was it was neat to think about like okay how what is the mass of that many lego pieces and what yeah. would we end up doing to our own solar system and you know we we talked about dyson spheres and how mm-hmm. the difficulty of building a sphere around the sun in general let alone out of lego Man, you yeah.
0: lego dyson sphere playset. come on someone make that happen <laughs> i know
2: <laughs> So it was it's we have a really good time, you know, and we try and we release them every other week. We have hit our target every time. So one just came out today. Actually, Uh, today's episode. Let's see. Today's episode is called Scores of Mutual Nightmares. And the questions that we had are Mm -hmm. about uh, what if you could plug a volcano with uh, concrete? Oh, uh, hey! Was one of the questions, that which was, was really a, cool.
1: Yeah, that was well. That was like a Twitter thing that was. Uh, someone was asking a while back too. That was really yeah. fun. So
2: we we have that one in today's episode, and oh, fun. Uh, we also uh, yeah. So we try and do two questions an episode, or if we have a guest, we'll do a third question as well. So it's it's really really a, a good time. Oh, that sounds awesome. like so
0: much fun. Sounds like a great podcast to listen to after I've um, enjoyed a gummy candy that exists in a childproof drawer <laughs> in my kitchen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, yeah.
0: I'm in Canada it's legal. Um uh, mm, <laughs> I'm the in government.
2: California. I'm in California it's legal. Hey. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um uh, but yeah, uh, and also like enjoy Udo of Trace, your YouTube channel?
2: Oh, yeah. My YouTube channel is just my name. Trace Dominguez is the URL or the handle they have now. Um, mm-hmm. My most recent video is on long COVID. It's done really, really well, surprisingly well, like way more views than oh, I it's normally. That's Awesome. Because people want to know like what long COVID is. I called uh, Dr. zaida Ali, who works uh, with the, used to work with the VA. I, th- I can't remember exactly. I think it's with the Cleveland Clinic now. Um, and he uh, is a, is studying this now and what long COVID is. And it's actually connected to uh, essentially a post-viral infection that's been around for as long as we've had viral infections. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. the virus isn't cleared or we, we don't really know what the problem is. And now it's just affecting millions more people than it used to. And so we're getting a lot of comments on the channel about, you know, people who have MECFS, which is one of the names of this post-viral infection. And they're like saying, thank you for making this because they've been suffering for decades. And long COVID is just the first time that popular mm. culture is starting to see what this is. So it's, it's, I try and make, videos that i'm curious about and that i'm interested in and i i hope other people like them too nice well
1: that's Um, awesome and thanks so much for for coming on the the show again
0: yeah that was really fun but now scott if i wanted to learn about as i open up your uh nebula channel you always
1: you always point to a specific video of mine and these come out like weeks afterwards (laughs) i know Uh, it's
0: part of the fun uh it's nerd the- sick if i were to learn about uh my sweet thunder boy is sad the tragedy of thor
1: oh my god that came out years ago <laughs> I, just, I just wrote nerd
0: sank into the search and that was the first one that came up um <gasps> If, yeah, you were, if, I, right. if
1: I were to learn about why your sweet thunder boy is sad, uh-huh. uh, where would I want to go? Uh, you can go to my YouTube channel, nerd sync, N E R D S Y N C. Um, I've got a whole bunch of videos. That was one from like 2019. 19. Yeah. Um, if you want to watch that one, but I have made at least some videos since then. So uh, <laughs> go check it out. I, I talk about, you know, comics and superheroes and cartoons and other stuff. And I, and I, I use them to teach about real world history, philosophy, culture, art, um, and also just like, just talk about me and in and, and my life and, and stuff like that. So if you're interested in that, that's my channel. But Tristan, you've got a bunch of, you've been, I feel like you've been cranking out videos recently. What have you been up to? I run a YouTube channel called Step Back. It's a
0: channel about uh, why history is important for making the modern day make sense to you. Uh, my most recent video was about China and basically trying to tell a modern history of China without trying to sell either side of the new Cold War dynamic that we're on. So mm-hmm. without trying to turn it into the main hero or main villain of history, mm-hmm. and that was surprisingly hard because mm-hmm. nobody wants to give you a straight answer on that country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm currently working because this is VidCon month, so I have a whole week that I can't work. Uh, I'm working on it. I'm making a U.S. president tier list.
2: Oh. Like ranked US oh, presidents yeah. ranked. That's fun. Is Franklin Pierce at the bottom or in like <laughs> close to the bottom? I haven't
0: recorded it yet, but I will say that um, very few get a top tier ranking. There is <laughs> oh, one. <no. laughs> there, is, there is one that is the best president in history and everybody should follow in his model. And you will find out in early July <gasps> when it comes out. Oh, I'll I tell you so guys many, after we're done recording.
2: I have so many thoughts. I want to know all of the, oh, interesting i love that uh
0: you can find that at step back on youtube and also this show if you want to support this show one of the greatest places you can do that is to go to step uh, nebula.tv slash probably not aliens and sign up for nebula and watch episodes early or listen to episodes early i should say and um and you know support the show as long as you're on it and of course if you don't want to spend your well-earned dollar dues on that you can leave us reviews on your podcatcher platform of
1: choice reviews are great um you can tell tell your your friends friends put them on usb keys put them on usb keys and throwing them at people is a pretty that's good what we way we of- always recommend that
2: works really well
1: very great website it's just probs not aliens.com it's got links to everything for our show that you can find that's i think that's everything so trace yep. thank you again so much for for being on it was a pleasure and just a blast it was very fun well thanks for having me until next time i am scott Nicewander.
0: i'm tristan johnson i'm trace dominguez and the truth is out there Ook ook, probably
1: Oog, oog, probably. (laughs) Caveman. Like a caveman would say. Like the Geico, you should have just sold insurance at the end. Like the Geico caveman. I thought Geico's logo was a gecko.
2: Oh, Geico has a, they have like a zillion. They have eight of them.
1: Do you know the caveman? I don't
2: think we have Geico in this country. No, it's the government employee insurance company. So you probably wouldn't have them.
1: We can't go down the Geico caveman rabbit hole. They had their own TV show for a couple episodes before it got canceled.
2: Okie dokie. Yeah. Yeah. A commercial spinoff into a TV show. America's crazy. That's called Ted Lasso. Uh, Also (laughs) true. true. (laughs) Also true. Wow. 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 Wow.
1: Wow. One of those is better than the other. And I guess Ted Lasso is pretty good too. (laughs)